objective, and I keep reminding you, is to avoid replacement theology. We want to keep Israel, the people, and the land central to these prophecies, because that's what they're about. And we want to avoid getting the gospel wrong by thinking that the gospel somehow is going to bring about the transformation of the world. It actually calls us out of the world, along with Israel, in anticipation of the return of Jesus and the kingdom being restored to Israel and the Torah being fully established. Now we've covered a lot of material so far in the series and I've got a lot more still to address. And one of the dangers in an extended series, particularly related to prophecy, is losing sight of the big picture and getting lost in the weeds. Uh, So our purpose is not simply to talk about the end times, but to also address the times that we presently live in and their relationship to these things. So today I want to go back to the big picture and uh, certain critical events and signs and their sequence as taught by Jesus. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, put up a chart. I can get this to work. All right. Now, this chart is um, similar to the one that you've looked at before and that you have. It's a little different and I think will be more helpful for today's message. Now, I asked... What was that? You can see the chart? No. no. You can't. Okay, so wait a second. I've got to fix something. So I'll stop the sharing. Uh, had this problem last week. It so. shared, Bruce, but something was uh, wrong with like the display of it. Really? Yeah. So let me see if I can do it now and it'll work because it's I've got it set up instead of uh, I pulled it up from the uh, this will let me do it. So now is it visible? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to go back to my chart. So, all right. So this chart is a little different. I asked you to read Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21 and Revelation 6. I hope you've done it. You need to be familiar with Scripture. And reading it once or twice doesn't do it. You really need to be familiar with it. So Matthew 24. It's gone again? Okay, I think I know what the problem is. Let me let me fix that. Uh, I'm going to pull this up and move it. Technology. I'm an anthropologist. I use stone tools. So um, here's what I'm going to do. Now, can you see it? Success. 
All right. What did I do there? Okay. All right. Going to assume that you guys can see it now. So this chart is different. You'll notice a lot of the things that were on it were on before, but I've changed some of it for the purposes of us going through Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke uh, 21. So we're going to begin with Matthew 24, verses 1 to 3. I'd like you to look there. Uh, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, which is opposite the temple area there, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? Meaning, when will the temple uh, be destroyed in Jerusalem? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So, the disciples are asking three questions. It's really kind of like two. One is about the destruction of the temple. And the others are connected with the sign of his coming and the end of the age, which they see as a kind of a combo there. Mark tells us that they ask what would happen as a sign that these things were being fulfilled. And Luke says that the questions were more specific about the destruction of the temple and what the sign would be before that happened. So because Luke is specific about the destruction of the temple, we have to look at that first, because in the sequence of events, that took place first. So I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 21, and we'll pick it up at verse 7. Luke 21, verse 7. They question him. Teacher, when will these things happen? He talk, told him that the stones would be torn down. And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? He said, See to it that you are not misled. Many will come in my name, saying that I am he. Now Jesus is not saying they're going to claim to be Jesus. They're going to claim that Jesus is the Messiah, but they're going to then deceive people. Uh, so he says... They're going to say, the time is near, don't go after them. When you hear of wars and disturbances, do not be terrified. For these things have to take place first, but the end does not follow immediately. Then he says, a nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in various places, plagues and famines. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Before these things, catch this, they will lay hands on you and they will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. So make up your minds not to prepare beforehand to defend yourself. I will give you utterance and wisdom. None of your opponents will be able to resist or refute. But you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated of all by, because of my name, yet not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, by your patience, you will gain your lives. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. And those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, those who are in the midst of the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city. 
because these are the days of vengeance, so that all things which are written will be fulfilled. Woe to those who are pregnant or who are nursing babies in those days, hard to travel and escape, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people. He's talking about Israel. They will fall by the edge of the sword and they will be led captive into all the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now Luke gives us a different focus than what we see in Matthew and in Mark. He uses the same language, but he alone addresses the surrounding of Jerusalem as a sign for the Jewish believers and Israel itself to get out. He talks about the trampling of Jerusalem and the time of the Gentiles as needing to be fulfilled. Notice that he talks of persecution that will take place before the great signs from heaven at the end. And from the time of the destruction of the uh, uh, believers, especially Jewish ones, are going to be persecuted. Now I want to go further from verse 25. Then he says... There will be signs in the sun, moon, and the stars, and on the earth dismay among the nations, perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of things which are coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So he talks about these signs. Then he says, They will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift up your heads, for your redemption is drawing near. Now, Luke, with no reference to the abomination of desolation or the great tribulation, addresses the second coming. And he begins that with the signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, which Matthew and Mark indicate happen after the great tribulation, and also then the sign of his coming, which is visible to the world and bothers them and concerns them as he comes with power and great glory. It's important to see that Luke gives them first the destruction of the temple and the disbursement of that remnant of Israel that's in Jerusalem out into the world, and then he goes all the way to the end of the age and picks it up after the tribulation. Because in some sense, Israel has always been in tribulation. They have gone through this again and again and again. And so he really kind of cuts to the end in that, in that statement. So we're going to pick back up with Matthew 24. So if you'll go back to Matthew 24, we read the first three verses. We're going to pick it up in verse 4. Jesus says to them, See that no one misleads you. Many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ, but they will mislead many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Do not be frightened. Those things have to take place. That is not the end. Nation will rise against nation kingdom against kingdom. In various places there will be famines and earthquakes. All of these are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated of all nations because of my name. And at that time many will fall away, turning from the faith, and they will betray one another and hate one another. 
and false prophets will arise, and they'll mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, this rejection of God's law is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus gives a a broad framework. Now he's going to back up and get to a specific thing. Uh, But before that, I want to get give you this indication. He's addressing what he calls the birth pangs. Birth pangs are labor pains. Those labor pains indicate that something's coming, this baby's coming. But at the first birth pangs, that's not the sign that it's imminent. That's not the end. So we're going to see false prophets, we're going to see wars, we're going to see famines, we're going to see earthquakes. Every time we do, we have people say, oh, this is it, it's the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. Those are not the signs we're to look for. Those are continuous. They have been continuous. They will continue to be continuous. They will increase and they will ebb and flow. But they also include persecution and tribulation for believers. That also is not a sign of the end. That's just the birth pangs. Betrayal and lawlessness and ebbing love are also part of these last days, but they are not the end content. Mark then also describes what Jesus is going to describe and uh, talks about these as birth pangs. And Paul calls Timothy, or tells Timothy, that in the last days people will reject their parents, they'll be lovers of self rather than lovers of God, and they will increase in lawlessness. So all of these things are part of the last days, but they are not an indication of the end. So we're going to look at one statement that Jesus said, that this gospel will be preached to the whole world, and then the end will come. We'll see that in the book of Revelation later. We'll talk about that later. These birth pangs began at the destruction of the temple and will continue until the time of the Gentiles, as addressed by Luke, are completed, leading up to the abomination of desolation. So we're in the birth pangs now. They don't serve as a sign to the end, but we are told to endure those troubles and persecution as it happens in the world. Now, American Christians have not faced this. But our brothers and sisters in the rest of the world, and certainly Israel, have faced that. And we're not likely to remain untouched. So I want you to look now at Matthew 24, verse 15. So Jesus says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. If you're in the housetop, don't go down to get anything out of the house. If you're in the field, don't go back to get your cloak. Woe to those who are pregnant and nursing babies in those days. Pray that your flight is not in winter or in the Sabbath. And then he says, following this abomination of desolation, there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will be. And unless those days should be cut short, no life would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be short. Now during that time, he says, if anyone tells you, here is Christ, or there he is, he's come back, 
don't believe him because they're, then there are going to be false Christs and false prophets who will arise and they're going to show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. But I have told you this in advance. So if they say, behold, he's in the wilderness, don't go there. If they say he's in the room, inner room, don't believe him. For just as the lightning comes out of the east and flashes to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be where the corpse is, the vultures will gather. This is a very uh, clear statement. It describes the abomination of desolation as immediately preceding the Great Tribulation. Mark parallels this, by the way. I'm not going to discuss the, the Matthew-Mark which one came first issue, that's not important for our understanding because they agree on the sequence. But Matthew's clear to the point that there will be signs and wonders that could almost deceive the elect. Too many people in Western Christianity look for miracles as proof of God. And that opens you to being deceived. You look at the scriptures. If they don't speak according to the scriptures, there is no light in them, even if there is a miracle. Now, we're going to pick up at verse 29. Then Jesus says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Remember, he talks about that in Luke. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. They will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of the sky to the other. Now in these passages, Jesus describes the signs in the sky that the world will see. This is not a secret thing. The sign of his coming will cause the world to be afraid and to mourn. They'll actually ask the rocks to fall on them. Luke says that men's hearts will, will fail for fear when these signs take place. His coming and his gathering of the believers after the great tribulation with signs that accompany it. This coming will be seen by everyone as the dead believers are raised and the living believers are changed and ascend to be with the Lord as he's returning. Now, Luke tells us in, in his version of that, that when we begin to see all of these things coming to pass, we should lift up our heads for our redemption draws near. So here's the sequence. I want to give you the sequence. And if any of you want this later, I'll give it to you. But you'll see it on the chart. The last days began with the incarnation and the ascension of the Lord. The temple and Jerusalem are destroyed, which is the beginning of the times of the Gentiles, A.D. 70. From that point on, the birth pangs, which are not the end, continue and they increase. Those are wars and plagues and earthquakes and loss of love and persecution of believers and assimilation and betrayal are also part of this. The key event that we're to watch for is the abomination of desolation in the holy place. The great tribulation will take place immediately after that abomination, and the mark of the beast will be required to buy or sell. 
There is a seal group of Israel, we'll talk more about that later, who are preserved and protected during this time. But at the same time, countless believers from every nation, language, kindred, and tongue will be martyred by this Antichrist. God's wrath will be poured out. I have yet to explain that, but we will. And then after the Great Tribulation, the signs in the sky will be seen the sun and the moon and the stars. And then the Son of Man will be seen coming. Men will become fearful. The dead in Christ shall rise. The living believers will be changed instantly and then ascend to join him in the sky. He will step down after going all around the earth, gathering us all. He will step down on the Mount of Olives and establish the kingdom on earth in Jerusalem. And all Israel, Paul says, will be saved. The Antichrist and the false prophet will be destroyed with the wicked. Those things will be taken out of his kingdom and Satan himself will be bound. And then after the kingdom period, this present earth will pass away by fire and the new creation will be brought into place. Now I'm going to stop this for a second. I'm not completely done, but I'm going to stop the sharing. Uh, And... I, I want to talk about uh, the book of Revelation, because I told you to look at Revelation chapter 6. So what about Revelation chapter 6? Well, I want you to turn with me. We're, we've been through this partially once, but I want you to see that it parallels what we've been seeing in these gospel passages. So, in Revelation 6... John sees a scroll with seven seals on it. It's rolled up, it's sealed so you can't do it. And he cries because no one is worthy to open the seals. But the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God, is allowed to. And so in chapter 6, the lamb is breaking the seals. And John sees what happens. So he says, When I saw the lamb broke one of the seven seals, I heard one of the four living creatures with a voice of thunder say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And he broke the second seal, and I heard the second living creature say, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it was granted to take peace from the earth. And men would kill one another, and a great sword was given to him. And when he broke the third seal, I saw a third living creature saying, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures, saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine. And when the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, and I looked, and an ashen horse, grayish horse, who sat on it, and his name was Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with the famine, and with pestilence, and with wild beasts of the earth. Now, in these four seals, we have what's called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They are wars 
and rumors of wars, that's the white horse, nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom, the red horse, famine and and uh, is the black horse, and the ashen horse is death by war and famine and pestilence and wild beasts. These are the birth pangs that Jesus is talking about. Then we see the fifth seal being broken. Verse 9. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony that they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had would be completed also. This is talking about the great tribulation, and it is talking about that great mass of people who will be martyred during that time for the testimony of Jesus in that context. And then he opens the sixth seal, verse 12. When he opened the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, the moon became like blood, the stars of the sky fell to the earth, as a fig tree casts its untimely figs when shaken by a wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island moved out of their place. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the commanders, of, and the rich, and the strong, and the slaves, and the free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks, and said to the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne, from the great from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? This is talking about the wrath of God, which is connected to these signs that will be in the sky and on the earth. We'll talk more about those uh, later as we look at the passages that do that. Now, if we kept reading, we would, uh, we would see that parentheses that John sees, where he sees two groups. He sees 144,000 of Israel, and these are symbolic numbers, and, and the tribes are not exactly the same as the listing. So this is really a description of this remnant, this whole of Israel at that time that is sealed and protected from the wrath of God. They are given a place to, to, uh, to avoid that persecution. And so remember in, in Revelation 12, the beast and the and the dragon goes after the rest of her children who have the testimony of Jesus and keep the commandments of God. He sees another group who are standing before the throne. He doesn't know who they are. And he is told they are the, the uncountable martyrs who have come out of that great tribulation. They come out by death, not by rapture. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, the lamb breaks the seventh seal and there is silence in heaven for half an hour. Now, the Gospels give us Jesus' own explanation of the sequencing and the signs that we are to watch for. He says to watch for the abomination, which will bring about the great tribulation, and the signs after it initiate his coming and are gathering unto him. Now, more important is that in these days, we're, that we're in, there will be greater darkness, 
and persecution and a falling away and betrayal and suffering. We have been spared this, but there's no assurance that that will continue to be the case. And there is certainly no promise of a disappearing act called the rapture. We are to watch and we are to be ready because we don't know the day or the hour of his coming. We know what the signs are that will precede that so that we will not be caught astray, but we are assured that suffering in this life will come in every generation. So we and our children must be prepared to serve the Lord and stay faithful to him so that whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We're seeing today that the greatest threat for American Christians and Jews in this generation is assimilation. Jews are rapidly intermarrying uh, and Christians are intermarrying and many of them are intermarrying with people who are marginally religious, if at all. And as a result, we're raising children in a, a world where we outsource our parenting to the schools and to the programs and the sports groups so that we end up being of the world but not in it. And our children are simply going to decide to go the way of the world because it makes sense to them unless they truly know the Lord and His ways. We have to have solid homes and congregations that live and teach this faith and the commandments of the Lord. Magic words spoken to accept Jesus will not immunize anybody from assimilation. We must say and do as Joshua did, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we have to be prepared, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, that when an idol and when an image and when an abomination is placed before us, we will not bow down. We will say, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But if not, even if he doesn't, and we go to our deaths, know for sure that we will not bow down or worship the image that you have set up. Now that's really the message for us. We are beginning to see generations of Christians pulled away from the faith. There are people denying the faith and assimilating, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And we must make sure that as for us, our house and our congregation, we will not succumb to that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then I will open it up for uh, questions.